We've got Dr. Andrew Corbett with us here once again as it is Wednesday. Good morning to you, sir. Good morning, Cameron. Great to be with you today. Indeed. Great to be uh, to have you in the studio as always. And uh, let's kick start it by uh, just getting into it and saying today is all about uh, a recipe for starting good business. Well, starting your own business. Yes. And with so many people, I guess, looking at their options for the future and so many people entertain the idea of going into business I think it's important that we at least look at some of the things that are needed to start a business and get a business going. And I, I guess there'll be people who are working now for an employer and they only view their job as a means to get a paycheck every yeah. week or fortnight. And I, I guess I want to say something to those people that, that firstly... If you're working for an employer, you're, you're in business. You, you are involved in business. And the benefit that you can draw from working from your employer is not just your wage, not just your paycheck. Robert Kiyosaki, in his best-selling book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, talks about how he, as a, as a young man, saw his own father, who was uh, one of uh, Hawaii's top educators, who had a PhD and was highly educated, but always struggled financially. They struggled to uh, make ends meet as a family, even though he was high up in the education system. And Robert Kiyosaki, as a young man, recognised that th th this, this just did not make sense to him. And he talks about his friend Mike and Mike's dad, whom he calls his rich dad, where Mike's dad didn't drive a flash car, didn't live in a prestigious home, didn't go out to a whole lot of, you know, fancy restaurants and all the rest of it, like his, like his dad did, because Robert grew up in a, a very nice home and his dad had a very nice car. And, but it was later on that he realised that that lifestyle was sustained largely by debt and it was, it was an image-driven lifestyle. And at the end of his own dad's career, his dad died... Well, his dad got to the end of his life quite bitter and uh, didn't have a lot put away for the future. Whereas Mike's dad, when Mike's dad turned 40, he went and paid cash for a house that was very nice. He went and bought the car that he wanted, and it was a very nice car. And, they, and, and it was then that Robert discovered that Mike's dad actually owned a series of businesses. He owned a chain of convenience stores across Hawaii and and takeaway food uh, venues. And it was then that he realised all the while Mike's dad was actually working to a plan because, and here's the key term, he was in business. And so when, when he asked Mike's dad, seeing the difference between his own dad and, and Mike's dad, he, he, he asked him, could you teach me to do that too? And so one of the things that Mike's dad did was said well you've got to go into my shop on Saturday and and work and okay and I'm not going to pay you <laughs> now of course when Robert's dad found out about this he was outraged you know he was he was a part of the union and you know this was a this was a red flag to a unionist going in and not paying wages and I'm and mm -hmm. I'm just telling the story Cameron I'm not narrating I don't want to get the phone calls you know <laughs> advocating slave labor or anything like that not no. at all but the point is that Robert went in and he worked Saturday mornings after Saturday mornings and didn't get paid and then eventually came to Mike's dad and said look 
this really, I don't think this is fair. You know, you're making me sweep, stack shelves, serve customers, put things away, and you're not paying me. And he said, yes, I am, but you don't recognize it. And he pushed a little bit further and said, well, what do you mean? He said, I'm teaching you how to run a business. It's just that you're not learning. And it, and he said, well, help me. What, what do I need to learn? He said, okay, now as you're doing your job, look at what makes this business tick and then look for opportunities. Look for opportunities. And that was the key term, look for opportunities. And Cameron, every business is a seizure of an opportunity. Every business is somebody taking advantage of an opportunity. So for example, you could be working in a retail store and your job simply might be to uh, stack shelves or to help you know, on the checkouts or something like that. And you might think, you know, it's a bit of a brain dead job. This is all I've got to do. And it would be a really, really great job if it wasn't for these pesky customers. And that might be your attitude to it. I wonder if you can recognize that you're actually in the midst of a business. There is, there is a business happening around you. And there are also opportunities that are being presented to you all the time. Opportunities being presented all the time. Now, how often have we seen somebody start up a business and we sort of do a face palm and go, why didn't I think of that? Why didn't I think of that? What this is a brilliant concept. What a great idea. And that's because somebody saw the opportunity and was in a position to do something about it. Now, here's one of the myths of business Cameron and it's a myth that goes like this that some people think if they've got a good product or a good service that's going to guarantee them business success and the reality is far from that now I, I can illustrate this very very simply um, Cameron have you ever eaten at McDonald's uh, to my shame yes well, not to your shame. It's, it's <laughs> McDonald's. I, I actually enjoy McDonald's. We, we yeah, you're, you're we a, have you a, can. You we can. have you're a family. We have a family tradition that we go every yes. uh, every family, birthday. Every birthday yes, we I go to McDonald's yes. for breakfast. All right. So um, I know a lot of people bag at McDonald's, but I don't. Well, I actually I'm an admirer of McDonald's. When I did a, a certificate in business studies, I, I used McDonald's as a as a case study. Uh, that was when I was studying at Swinburne in Melbourne, and uh, there's a lot to admire about. McDonald's and their business model, and oh, I'm sure there is. This, this would be a good opportunity if anyone's listening from McDonald's that uh, there are sponsorship opportunities. Yeah, on indeed, YFM. absolutely, we're all for <laughs> Here it. Here I am realizing <laughs> I'm sort of giving them a bit but of a plug. It's more of the fact that I'm, to my shame, it's for my own personal benefit that I'm overweight. So okay, it's got well, nothing I, to do I, with I, the business I, at all. Yeah, well, okay, now, just Karen, want to yeah, no that. problem. Now here's here's where it, it you know it might sound like I've just given them a big rap, but now it might sound like I'm, I'm going to burst that bubble because here's my question. Cameron, could you make a better hamburger than you could buy at McDonald's? That's a very good question. I don't know. I couldn't personally. Why not? Because I'm not the best cook. The only thing I can make really well is a stir fry. Could you fry an egg, <laughs> fry, a, fry a, a rissole, Get, yeah. Fry some bacon, put some lettuce in there, a bit of beetroot, a bit of sliced tomato. I like beetroot. You can do well. well all, right, <laughs> all right, come on, work with me, Cameron. Work with me. Okay, I will. Cameron, let's just pretend your answer is 
Yes. 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 Okay. Because you're the only person out of the six million people I've ever asked this question that has hesitated and said no. (laughs) So you've absolutely sabotaged my Uh, example here. That's all right. No, I will say yes. Well, I'm sure if if you were to ask pretty much anybody, could you make a better hamburger than McDonald's? Their instant answer, and this has been my experience, and up until today, might I add. Really? Up until today, the the instant response from people is, yeah, easy, I could make really? a better hamburger okay. at McDonald's. Oh, easy. Yeah, there you are. Uh, now, I, in my house, I don't do the cooking, and if you ever taste my cook, you'll see why. And it's like Kim says, you just you just do the washing up. I'll just you must sit kick down. the snags on the barbie, you, you, surely. You, well, I can do that. <laughs> okay, so uh, my wife would make easily, easily a better hamburger <laughs> than anything you get at McDonald's. Now... I've already given McDonald's a wrap, so this is not a, you know, I'm not trying to slander or anything like that. So, but, but here's the point. Most, most of our listeners right now could make a better hamburger than McDonald's. So, he, so it's a better product. You could make a better product, but why aren't you a billionaire? In other words, why haven't your hamburgers made you a billion dollars? And they have the people in McDonald's. The, the, the answer is something, and the answer is not that it's all about the product. It's not all about the product. Business is not about the product. And I've seen people who do what they do really, really well. Mm. They have an excellent product. They have an excellent service. They're, a, they're, they're very, very good at what they do, but they are lousy in business, just lousy in business. The skills of business are different to the skills required to produce a product or deliver a service. They're quite different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so I have seen, Cameron, people go into business who have no appreciation of that fact. Okay. They can make a, a great hamburger or whatever it is. They can make a great hamburger. They could probably even price it at the same price as you would pay if you went to McDonald's. So I, I have no idea how much a big cost. Right? If I said five dollars, I, I could be showing my ignorance. I, I just have no idea. But if it's if it's five dollars, they could probably make a five dollar hamburger that is just as good, if not better, than McDonald's. Okay. Mm-hmm. They then think, well, you know, it's a guarantee now that I'll, my business will succeed and do well. No, it's not. There are some basics that I call the recipe for developing a successful business, especially starting a successful business that you need to have in play. Now, just before we go to music, Cam, just, you know, people might be hearing this go, but gee, this guy, talk, he's a pastor. What on earth would, would the pastor of a church know about running a business? Now, I know that you know some of this, but I actually uh, I, I actually run um, several businesses uh, which are generally not-for-profit businesses. And i got to tell you, having worked in the commercial arena, and I mentioned before that I've done some studies in business with Swinburne, and that was mm. a long time ago, and I was a manager with Coles Meyer for about, well, I, I did a 10-year stint with them. And um, I've been involved in small, my family. Um, I, I grew up in small business. So this is, yeah, look, I, I don't know everything, but I know a few things, and I know enough to know that there are certain things you can do that will almost guarantee you cannot succeed, mm. and there are certain things you should at least do, at least to have a chance of succeeding. Yeah. And those are the things that I want to talk about 
after we come back from this music break, Cameron. Okay, we'll be back in a moment, but right now a song that relates to uh, today's talk. That is uh, Mental As Anything doing the song Working For The Man from the 80s there, of course, originally a hit for Roy Orbison in the 60s. We're on the subject of uh, uh, starting up your own business with Dr. Andrew Corbett today, who's always giving us a helping hand with our regular Wednesday morning discussion. Yes, and Cameron, I've mentioned that, that there are certain things you can do that will help you to establish your business. And one of the first things that you need to do is have a plan and this is not something that if you've if you've never been involved in business or running a business or establishing a business if i say to you you need a plan you're not really going to understand what i'm talking about but i can guarantee you if you work in an established business they are working to a plan there is a plan and it's when that business deviates from the plan that they they get in strife and so for example I, I mentioned I worked for Coles Mayer for 10 years I saw Kmart which was part of that group really lose its way uh, probably up until about two years ago I would consider that Kmart was really in the wilderness it, it just lost its way it, it forgot who its customers were it forgot why it was doing what it was doing and it went it went through a real turmoil and that was largely due to the fact that the Colesmeyer group was being broken up and there was there was all kinds of machinations happening there and someone just forgot you know what what they were about well and I'm not exactly sure what's happened over the last 2 years or so but they have well and truly got back on track they that that is I actually think this is a case study in a business plan somebody somewhere in Kmart has realized hang on a minute we're a discount retailer and when we sell discount goods we're not here to sell the high end stuff but we're not here to sell we're not here to sell rubbish either we're, we're here to sell competitively priced bulk items and that's that's what we do and, and they've well and truly got back on track with that now please don't don't think I've made a morally endorsing view on the fact that they get you know t-shirts from Bangladesh or anything like that it's that that's another issue and I would have an issue with that but that is another issue I think also a case study about this would be chicken feed. My son was working for chicken feed at the at the time, and then he left after the Sipkes family sold it out to um, the former owner of Kathmandu, uh, Jan Cameron. And I saw it. Now I don't know Jan Cameron, but I saw the chicken feed business completely deviate from the plan, just utterly deviate from the plan. They they just about in every aspect of what you would consider to be a business plan they went off the page they 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 you know we could just go through and and i i saw a year out looking just looking at the various chicken feed stores realizing okay the the trajectory of this business is in deep trouble they're in deep trouble and of course the inevitable happened as far as i'm concerned the inevitable happened that they that they you know basically ended up closing and it cost people their jobs and it would have cost people a fair bit of money so one of the one of the essential things to to doing a business is that you need a plan and the plan will include some some pretty basic items and and the plan will uh, talk about uh, what actually is your business now you might think 
Well, that's a that's a straight up, straightforward, pretty plain, simple question. Cameron, often when I'm talking with business people who have, well, people who think they're in business, they've, they've gone into what they think is business and they're struggling, I ask them this very simple question, tell me what your business is. And, and if, if I have someone say to me, oh, that's a really hard question to answer, I know straight up, doesn't matter what they tell me from that point, that they, they have not thought this through. They, they do not have a clear plan. Tell me what your business is. Well, that's a, that's a, I can't, that would take me a while to answer. Well, then you need to go away and think about it so that it doesn't take you a while to answer. And you need to be able to tell me in one or two sentences what your business is actually doing. What is your business? Because you you need to, you need to recognize that your, your business is something and therefore it is not something. And for somebody to say, well, my business is to make money however I can. Well, that is the dumbest thing I've ever heard. That is just stupid because you, you have no focus in that statement and you will end up being all over the show. You mm. need to have a clear focus. It's better to, to have a clear focus and to have people go, uh, I, I, I can't use your business. And you go, yep, fair enough. You can't. You actually can't. <laughs> And I remember dealing with an old guy uh, who, uh, when I was working for uh, Coles Meyer, he used to, he used to come in and uh, we got chatting. He was an old guy, very, you know, well-dressed and and I, I just got chatting with him. I said, what do you do? He said, I, I sell real estate. I thought, oh, okay, you're real estate. He said, yeah, but not just any real estate. Oh, what sort of real estate do you sell? So I generally sell uh, motels and hotels. Oh, right. I said, yeah, but you know, I, you know, I, I sell maybe one or two a year. Thinking, oh, gee, you can't be doing that well, you know. If you only sell one or two a year, I said, yeah, but they generally start at about ten to twelve million dollars and go up. So he was in a very narrow field of the market, very narrow, and that's all he did. He just sold those, and so he was. He was cultivating these deals that would sometimes take six months to cultivate. And while he was doing that, he began to cultivate his next one. And he might sell one, maybe two a year. And you might think, gee, you know, if he sold apartments or units or houses, he could probably sell a couple of months or a couple of weeks or whatever. But that, yeah, and he could have, but that wasn't his business. His business was selling these high-end hotels and motels. That's what he did. And I think when you're in business, you've got to figure out this is what we're doing. This is not what we're doing. A part of the plan also is answering this question. Who is your market? Now, I've asked people this, Cameron, and I ask this question. Tell me who your market is. And when someone says everyone, I, I just know straight away you have not thought this through. You have not thought this through. Who is your market? If you say everyone, you, you really need some help. <laughs> Because I guarantee you, whatever business you're in, your market is not everyone. It's not everyone. Now, in uh, in Australia, mm. there are there's um, I think something like one or two Maseratis sold in Australia a year. Really? Is that all? Yeah, it's not much. Wow. Yeah, it's it's really not many. It's it's. If it's you know in a good year it might be four or five. It, it's really not many. Now, the, they have a major showroom, I believe, in Sydney, and 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 their their cars are just beautiful. 
and they have a glass, you know, very, very beautiful showroom. Now think about this, they're doing all that and they're selling one to maybe five of these things a year. That's a lot of expense to sell five, but of course the upside is each of those cars started about $1.5 million or something. The, the, this is a very exclusive item that they're selling. This is a, this is a prestige car. Now, if, if you went in there and said, tell me who your market is, and, the, and if they said to you everything, everyone, you, you just know that, that they are, you know, to quote, uh, uh, what's his name, Kerrigan, uh, tell them they're dreaming because... The <laughs> <laughs> because they know their market's not yeah. everyone. They know their market is perhaps surgeons, specialists, CEOs, chief you know chief executives, company directors, operation managers, operation managers of <laughs> radio stations. Uh, if you're delivering my Maserati today, I'll have it at two o'clock. Yeah, yeah, sure, mate. Yeah. Uh, and they know that that's who their market is. They, they and now once you know who your market is, you can then target your your business to your market. But you've got to figure that out. Who is my market? Now I, I see this all the time where people go, "Well, I've got to reach my market. Therefore, I'm going to use a means that is like a shotgun. We call shotgun marketing. It's where you just fire out as many pellets as you can out of the gun and hope you know one of them hits the target." That's a really, really dumb way to reach your market. I'll talk a little bit more after the news because when you're developing a plan, you need to know what your business is, who your market is. There's also two or three other things you need to know as well, Cameron. But let's come back after the news and continue to develop a recipe for starting your own business. Andrew's got a nice motorbike, by the way. You're on Launceston's YFM on the right track. Here's the news. It's 9 o'clock. Forecast for Launceston for our Wednesday today. Partly cloudy with showers easing during the morning, then clearing late in the afternoon. Winds northwesterly, 25 to 40 kilometres an hour, and then becoming northerly and light in the late evening. A little bit bright out there, but not uh, a great deal of sunshine out there. We'll be seeing very little of the sun in the next few days, unfortunately. Expected to get up to 17 degrees today. Rain tomorrow, 6 to 15. Partly cloudy on Friday, 5 to 17. And showers easing and then clearing by the evening on Saturday, 7 to 16. Currently in town, temperatures are holding around 13 degrees. Here on Launceston's YFM, I'm Cameron Skirving, and we're here with Dr Andrew Corbett for the regular Wednesday morning discussion. Today talking about uh, a recipe for starting a business. Well, we talked about being able to just very simply state, this is what your business is. This is what your business does. And, and then being able to identify who your market is. So for example, you could make widgets, whatever those widgets are. Your market is not going to be everyone, so don't, don't think it is. Who is your market? Your market may not even be those people that are near you. You know, the, the world of geography has completely changed now. We, we have a global village happening, and we have it courtesy, essentially courtesy of the internet. You can now, um, sell your product, perhaps your service, depending on what it is, anywhere in the world. And uh, there was, in fact, there's a local business here in our own city and the the business owner wanted a fair bit of typing done. He'd done some dictation, wanted some typing done. Rather than pay a local secretary or a local secretarial service, 
he just put a tweet or something out there. I'm looking for someone to type up some dictation. Well, people from all over the world put in offers on how much they do it for. Mm. And, and someone from another country said, you know, here's the rate, this is what I'll do it for. And they agreed. He just simply emailed up dictation files. They typed it up. They sent it back. He paid. They were happy. He was happy. This is how the world is increasingly working now. This is, this is a, a whole new day. If you're in retail, I, I've mentioned before, and you can go to our downloads, uh, downloads um, archive at wayfm.org.au, and you'll see where we've talked before about how y- your business can actually have a competitive advantage in this, this global village market. Now, you might think, well, everyone's buying online and it's all, you know, businesses going down and all the rest of it. Well, you, it, you just need to rethink how, you, how you're doing things and create an experience for your customer where, they, where coming into your retail venue is inviting, it's attractive, it's, it's almost entertaining, and they're going to get something they can't get online. Cameron, I am increasingly, and I'm a big fan of online businesses. I, I'm a huge fan of that. But increasingly, I'm wanting to deal with a, a real person. So I'm actually prepared to pay just, even just a, a, a little bit of a premium. If it means I can go in, I can physically handle the item, I can ask questions of somebody who's, who's actually there, not just a robotic voice or something. Yes. And I can interact with a person and get to know them by name. So you know, I'm into photography and video and that kind of thing, and so I, I, I buy a fair bit from... Stallards, and if you're listening, anyone from Stallards, uh, there are sponsorship <laughs> opportunities with YFM. <laughs> uh, but you know, I, look, I, I I know the guys there. I know Hugh. I know Robert, and I know, I know Paul. And you, you, I go in there and I talk with these guys, like, and they're real people. And I'm able to do that. And I actually think there's a competitive advantage if if you can if you can leverage that. And people just rather than the skies falling, they need to recognise this the the, the sky is opening and begin to view their their business opportunities and remember we started out this hour talking about you know business is really about seizing opportunities and see the opportunities that are there but we mentioned you need to identify what your business is you need to identify who your market is then you need to figure out how do you connect the two now when you take your business to the market that's called marketing now i i yeah. i i have come to realize that there are many people who are excellent at what they do they make excellent things they can do what they do really really well oh it's nice of you to say so <laughs> <laughs> and yet they really don't understand that that the the skills involved in business are different to those things so there are some things you, you need to be able to do. And one of those areas of, of expertise and skill is connecting these two things, connecting your business with your market. Now, that's called marketing. When you take your business to the market, it's called marketing. And essentially, marketing is telling your story, telling your story, the story of your business. Every business has a story. Now, Cameron... I regard YFM as a business. I regard it, you know, very much as a business that we're running, and and I also have um, a, an an attitude that we at, at YFM have a story to tell. We we are not just playing music. We are not just, 
um, you know, playing uh, little sound bites and all the rest of it. We, we, we actually have a very important story that undergirds everything we do. And this, this story, we believe, makes a positive difference in people's lives, not just for today, not just for their lifetime, but this will make a positive difference for generations to come and, dare we say it, beyond the grave. Now, that's a pretty big story that we're running with and people who donate to YFM are supporting that story. People who are in business and they use YFM to market their business are helping us to promote that story and tell that story. And we we know what we're about. You ask us, you know, at YFM, what are you doing? Well, we can tell you straight away, one sentence, what, what we're doing. We can tell you who our market is. We can tell you actually, actually who it is. And we can tell you who we're trying to reach. We, we know that we are not playing everyone's, you know, particular segment of music. We know that. And when, when we, we uh, started changing uh, what we did about three or four years ago, we, we had people go, oh, you know, I miss my bluegrass music or I miss my marching band music or whatever. But we had to bring it, we had to define our business a bit more clearly. And that's what we've done at YFM. When you take your business to your market, it's called marketing, it's telling your story. It's different to advertising. Advertising is different, Cameron. And this is what I've, I have observed, that there are many people who are in business and they don't really appreciate the difference between marketing and advertising. They're, they're two different things. Marketing is telling your story. It's creating your brand. It's creating your image. You, you go to the market with your product, with your service, but that's just where it starts. You also go to the market with how you answer your telephone. If, if people are ringing your business and you're picking up your phone going, huh, what, hey, hmm, you're telling a story about your business. Yeah, yeah, indeed. And, indeed. and, and, and it's not complementing your business. If people are communicating with your business, perhaps sending an email inquiry, and you're taking, you're taking more than 24 hours to get back to them, you're telling them a story about your business. If, you're sent, if people are sending you an email and you're responding to them within 30 minutes, you're telling a story about your business. If your staff are pleasant, engaging, and courteous, you are telling a story about your business. So when you market your business, yeah. you, are, you are simply telling that story. And then everything about your business has got to tell the same story. Too many people in business feel that it's a privilege for the customer to be able to interact with them. That equation has got to completely flip on its head. If a customer comes to you, Mr. Business Person, Mrs. Business Person, Miss Ms. Master Business Person, it's your privilege. It's, it's a privilege for you, not for them. And it's a completely different way of thinking. So you need to understand what your business is, you need to understand who your market is, and you then, you then need to know how do you connect the two. Now, at YFM, for example, we, we know that our audience is, is a particular demographic. We know that they are very discerning, they are ethical buyers, and when people uh, tell their story on YFM, 
they are associating with our brand. They are associating with family, friendly, ethical, all those other things that define who we as WayFM are. So yes. the other thing you need to do, just before we go to a music break, Cam, is is to start a successful business, you, you need, if, if you're going to do this, and in a moment, when we come back after a song, I'll talk about, down the home search, we'll talk about turning your hobby into a business and how you can actually take your hobby or a hobby business to the next level. We'll, we'll, we'll talk about that in a moment. I've done that a yep. couple of times. So here's, here's what you need to do. You need preparation. I've mentioned preparation will at least include a plan. Define your business, figure out who your market is, figure out how you take your business to that market. Then that plan's also going to include how will you conduct your business? Will you have staff? Will you be self-employed? Will you franchise your business? Will you have partners? Will you have investors? Will How will it look? You need, this is all part of the preparation which goes into the plan. You then need to figure out, okay, how much am I going to need to here's the word, capitalise this business. Most businesses will require two years worth of capitalisation. In other words, if you're going into business, you have to be prepared that for two years, you are going to have to draw down on reserves. And at some point, as you're putting money in, if you can imagine a graph where there's a line going diagonally from top, you know, as time goes on, it's going down. That's that's the reserves going down. But you should also see another line starting at, at the zero axis going up and that's the growth of your business and eventually they intersect so but what you don't want them to do is to miss each other and you certainly don't want your reserves to to run out before your business has intersected at a level where you can continue this uh, mm. into the future so let's let's talk about some of some of those things and and how you can take a hobby and turn that into a business and then how you can take, perhaps you've already got a hobby business, take that to the next level. Let's come back after this music break, Cameron. Okay, okay thanks, uh, Andrew. Here's a song now from a group that's uh, Australian group that were huge in America for a very short period of time. And how they relate to today's uh, message is because it's in their uh, group title, Men at Work. On the right track, Launceston's WFM with Men at Work, who were huge in America, particularly uh, just for a short space of time. And before we knew it, they'd come and gone in the music industry like a passing summer cloud. Who can it be now there from Men at Work? It's 9.20. We're talking to Dr. Andrew Corbett today about, um, yeah, uh, a good recipe for starting your own business. The question I have, um, though, Dr. Andrew, something to bring into the mix is, is starting your own business um, really the in thing these days? I mean, you have these family businesses that uh, go, um, you know, th through the line and that sort of thing. Has that aspect changed, do you think? Mm. Well, Cameron, it's interesting that if we go back to the turn of the 20th century, so from the 19th and the 20th century, so you know, around 1899 to, to 1900, the numbers are something like this, that 70% of all people were in some kind of small business or they, they were uh, in their own business or, or working in a very small business. Of course, here we are 100 and something years later, and that has completely flipped, you know, 30%, and that's probably being generous, are now involved in either their own business or, or, or in some kind of very small business. And, of course, uh, you know, 100 and something years ago, we had people who owned their own farm, they worked a farm. That's 
that story's changed now. We've got people who used to, there used to be family businesses that were passed on generationally. Yep. That idea's changed. Is it a fad that's happening now? Oh, I certainly don't think so. I think that we've got globalization, we've got corporate corporatization, we've got all of this. And yet I actually think there is the potential, if you can see the opportunity, there is potential for people to recognize that you, that you can establish a business and you, you do have to think differently. You know, the, there, there is a, a world out there that you, when we talk about doing a, a business, and we'll sort of come to, to this in a moment with turning your hobby into a business. Okay. If, if you're thinking, if you're pondering, should I get a website for my business, then, then don't delay. I mean, what, what's to ponder? This is a no-brainer. You absolutely need a web presence. There, there is just, it, it is a non-negotiable you need a web presence. So much of business activity has shifted to the internet now that you really need to, to recognise this is, this is a trend that is, is not a fad. This is actually a, a permanent trend that, that we're going toward transactions that occur on the internet. Now, for example, even things like the, the writing of books and the producing of music. You know, it used to be that you'd, you'd write a book, you'd, you'd, you'd get it printed, and then you would sell the hard copies of it, which is, you yeah, know, yeah, I've yeah. done that. I've got a small publishing business, and that's, that's how we were doing things. But, but 80 to 90% of the sales in, in our small publishing business now comes from digital books. These are non-physical books. And so it's generating, you know, literally 10 times more income than physical copy books. Now, this is, this is not just an isolated case. This is happening in Amazon. It's, it's happening with iTunes in, in their, what they call iBooks. Everyone else calls eBooks. So this is a, this is a growing trend. So if, you, if you're wondering, should I publish this as a hard copy or should I publish this in digital format, make it an e-book or an iBook? Well, I would encourage you, if you can do both, do both. But if you can only do one, do the electronic version. Uh, recently, uh, I purchased a book uh, that I'm studying with as an e-book, and it's just so handy. I, I, I get access to it on my iPhone, my iPad, my computer. And then I saw the same thing on sale at Kurong, um, and I, I went and purchased a physical copy of it, and I noticed that they're different, like complementary different. So we need to start to think like this. If you haven't got a website, we, you know, YFM has a station sponsor who specialises in helping businesses develop their branding and their their website. That's uh, raw marketing. So just yes. listen throughout the day and uh, go and uh, talk to Gavin Mace and, and tell him that we sent you down there just to say, look, I was listening on YFM and heard that you can, you're, you're a friendly fellow who can help me get a website set up very affordably. He's uh, a friendly fellow too. Well have a talk to him yes, and, yes. and of course the other thing I haven't mentioned and we probably haven't got time to explore is that most people who go into business try to do everything themselves and that is a huge mistake a huge mistake you, you need you know if, you're, if your job is to make the product or deliver the service you might actually not be the person to run your business in fact I see a lot of tradesmen who recognise their gift 
is they're trade. Their gift is not business administration. They actually get a business manager in. And the business manager is able to, you know, do things that the, the tradie can't do. I see this even with dentists and doctors, you know. They, their skill is in um, medicine in, in some form. And they'll, they'll get in a practice manager or, or a senior receptionist, somebody who actually knows how to do the admin of the business. Yeah. This, is, this, again, is, is just a different way of thinking. You have to begin to think like this. If you can't afford an administrator or a business manager, we have another station sponsor um, <laughs> in MDH Accounting. And Indeed. MDH Accounting, will, will, you, can, you could pay someone a, a whole week or whatever to do your books or half a week. Or, or if you go to MDH, you can actually explain to them, this is what I need. And they'll say, well, we can, you know, we can do bookkeeping for X number of hours and it'll cost you this. And I, I, you probably find it'll be a lot more affordable than hiring a staff member. Now I'm, not, I'm, you know, I, yeah, I am giving them a plug, but but for reason. I I think this is how people have got to think, and so when when you, you're going into business like this, you, it, it's it's a different way of thinking. Now oh, I've just looked at one of my tweets where auto <laughs> spell or autocorrect has uh, has changed the spelling, yeah. but um, being being in business is different to being self-employed. Being in business is different to being self-employed. You know, a lot of people think that if they're self-employed, they are in business. And you're actually not. You're actually exactly that. You're self-employed. Being in business is a, is a different thing than being self-employed. And, if you know, we haven't got time to unpack it here, but l- let me just very quickly... Talk about taking your hobby and turning it into a business. We started to say that any business is going to require the P's. Preparation, plan, you've got to have your product right, whether it's a service, a good or a service. You've got to figure out the purpose of the business. The business purpose is not just to make money. You've got to figure that out. You've got to have the right people and you've got to figure out how you promote that business. They're the P's. Preparation, plan, product, purpose, people and promotion. Then, if you're going to take a hobby and turn it into a business, here's, here's a piece of advice. Don't leave your day job just yet. Keep your day job. Develop your hobby into a business. And it could be as simple as this. You may, you may make a certain craft. You may make jewellery or whatever you're making. Well, I would recommend something like Gumtree or eBay or something like that. Start off small. Put it out there. Get a website, start to, to do it, and look, if it takes off, it, it, it takes off. You, you then want to consider, there's, there's another P in that, in that uh, aspect of developing your business, that's pricing. And oftentimes when people go from being an employee to being in business or starting their own business, they, they go, oh, gee, you know, that, that $10 item, I can make that for a dollar, I could sell it for $2. And it's just naive because if you want to grow your business, that that item ultimately is, is going to have to go through several hands before it reaches the public. And while you yeah, might okay. think, you know, I can it cost me a dollar, I can sell it for two dollars, you might actually be sabotaging your your potential business growth. 
Okay. You, you want to think in terms of pricing. Now, I haven't got time to develop that right now, but if you go and talk to someone like MDH, they'll help you with that. Yeah. And as a rule of thumb, everybody who produces a book knows that whatever the cost of the book, your wholesale cost of that book is four times the cost of that, that book. The retail cost of that book is, is, is something in addition again. So and and that's not being greedy. That that's just what you're going to find is probably what you're going to need to do to break even on the fact that so many different hands are going to be uh, dealing with that book, and everyone's going to need a cut. So yes. you just got to think differently. Now, while we talk about this, if you want to turn your hobby into a business, I've mentioned, do what you do. Put a few things on eBay. Try Gumtree. Set up a website. Take photos of it. Um, do, use the whole YouTube thing. Do do the whole deal, mm. and grow slowly. Don't yeah. leave your day job just yet. In, as we finish this up, Cameron, I've mentioned you need preparation, you need a plan, you need to do these things. I would suggest that that you you read what you can, talk to people, get help, get see if you can get a business mentor. Don't rush into this thing. Too many people have gone into business thinking that this will be a walk in the park, this will be easy, and they've discovered it's not so easy. But with a little bit of help, just a little bit of tweaking, they the, the, the story could have been quite different. So Cameron, we need more people in business in Tasmania. We, I'll say it, we need more businesses flourishing in Tasmania. And the market for your business may not be Tasmania. You can start your business here, but your market may be the United States of America. It may be somewhere else. And I would encourage you to go for it. Now, if you do, and if this has been helpful, let us know. Shoot us some feedback. We'd love to know that we've been encouraging to you in some way. And, of course, there's lots of principles in here that don't just apply to business. They also apply to how you run your house as well. Every household is a business, and, of course, the, the bottom line of a business is if you're spending more than you earn, then your business is in trouble. It's the same with a household. So, Cameron, I'll be back next week. I just want to, before I go, I want to thank our listeners. Their support at the moment is really helping us get out of a really tight place at the moment in in uh, what we're doing. Thank you. We we value your continued support of YFM. Uh, as you can imagine, the, the costs of doing what we do, we have lots of compliance costs that the government put on us. We have regulations that require uh, license fees and all the rest of it to be paid that are, you know, just they're all part of the background that help us to, to do what we have to do and they're unavoidable. And people who help us with those things through their donations are helping us to change, literally change the lives of people uh, across the Tamar Valley, across northern Tasmania. And of course now we have thousands of people streaming our, our radio station live through wayfm.org.au slash streaming. So I want to thank you, listeners who have supported our station over the last couple of weeks. We're not out of the woods just yet, but I thank you so much for it. And I just want to say if you're a member or a partner or a friend of YFM, uh, we'd like you to come to our Thanksgiving dinner, yes. uh, October 17, uh, 6.45 at the Tarray Centre. Please give the station a call, 6330100. 3 let us know that you can make it, and we'd love to see you there at our Thanksgiving dinner. If you're not a member or a friend of IFM, uh, tickets to that dinner are $45, and we'd, we'd still love to have you there. Cameron, I'll be back next week. 
Thank you, Dr. Andrew Corbett. Yes, he'll be back next week with another Wednesday morning discussion. We um, did uh, do some plugs there for uh, some of our sponsors. Now, uh, just again reiterate with the footy grand final coming up this weekend and also Bathurst. Uh, coming up soon. Um, there's uh, some great uh, deals on at station sponsor Conmara Farm. We encourage you to uh, find there and locate their uh, Facebook page, page Conmara Farm, and like the page, and it's got details on the footy specials that uh, are available uh, till the uh, 28th. So, um, yeah, some great, really good cocktail saveloys, great products. So, uh, make the most of um, yeah, station sponsor Conmara Farm's uh, specials this week. On YFM, it's 9.34. This is you too.